Hello, and welcome to Sleeping Instructions, a podcast from Make Community Inc. in Melbourne, Australia. These podcasts aim to help you sleep. They are semi-educational because we will read through instruction manuals. If you are interested in the subject matter, it's educational. If you are not, it's not. Either way, instruction manuals tend to be boring. We will just read through them and you can fall asleep learning something new or otherwise. If you have been enjoying these podcasts, please consider giving us a review or sharing with your friends. In this episode, we will be reading an instruction manual for Singer Sewing Machines, published in 1938. This reading is ironic, as I haven't even read the manual for my own modern sewing machine, which I have recently been using to make pandemic masks. The manual for the Singer Sewing Machine models 1596 Treadle and 1598 Hand Turn has been created from the Smithsonian Library scans, uploaded to the archive.org page by contributor Ems is Fab. Thank you, Ems. You are fab. The iconic Singer sewing machine was not the very first sewing machine to be invented, but was the first complex standardised technology to be mass-marketed. According to the National Museum of American History, it was one of the original disruptive technologies, changing the way America manufactured textiles. Singer Corp also changed the way business was run, an original patent war between rival sewing machine companies, each charging exorbitant licensing fees, was smoothed into an alliance with a patent pool and division of profits. Then came the first ever higher purchase agreements for those who couldn't afford the machine, planned obsolescence of old machines, and tamping down of the second-hand sewing machine market through buying up any used machines. You can read more about the fascinating history of Singer Company in the Smithsonian Magazine article, how Singer won the sewing machine war, linked in the podcast description. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the reading of the Singer Sewing Machine Manual. Instructions for using Singer Sewing Machines 1596 and 1598 with attachments 120603, lock stitch for family use. When requiring needles, oil, parts or repairs for your machine, Look for the red S. There are Singer shops in every city. Singer sewing machines. The Singer Manufacturing Co. printed in USA. The importance of using Singer oil for your sewing machine. The best is the cheapest. Knowing from many years experience the great importance of using good oil, we put up an extra quality machine oil in cans, especially prepared for sewing machines. Genuine Singer needles should be used in Singer machines. These needles and their containers are marked with the company's trademark, S-I-M-A-N-C-O. Needles in containers marked for Singer machines are not Singer-made needles. Copyright USA, 1915, 1923-1924, 1928-1929, 1931-1932, 1932, 
The set of attachments supplied with your sewing machine has been modernised by the substitution of the Singer Gatherer and the Singer Edge Stitch for the Tucker and the Cloth Guide. These two latter attachments being older and little used. If you should have any difficulty using any of the attachments, free help and instruction will be given you gladly at the Singer Shop in your community. Singer Service Now that you have purchased your new Singer, we do not want you to feel that your relations with us have come to an end. We hope that you will make the Singer Shop your headquarters for sewing supplies and service. Only there or through authorised bonded Singer representatives can you secure genuine Singer oil, needles, belts, parts, etc. So important in getting the best results from your machine. And remember, only an authorised Singer representative should be allowed to touch your machine when repairs or adjustments are required. Worldwide Singer service has no equal. Use it. To operate the treadle machine, raise the presser foot B by means of the presser bar lifter C to prevent injury to the foot B and feed A. Figure 2. Front view of machine 1596. It is necessary to understand the stop motion E by which the balance wheel D can be released when required thus enabling the operator to become proficient in the use of the treadle and permitting the winding of bobbins without running the stitching mechanism. It also allows the operator to wind bobbins without removing partially sewn work and without unthreading the machine. To release the balance wheel, D, figure 2, turn the stop motion screw, E, figure 2, over toward you. It will be necessary to hold the balance wheel while loosening the stop motion screw. After releasing the balance wheel, place your feet upon the treadle and with the right hand, turn the balance wheel over toward you. This will start the band wheel, treadle and pitman, the sewing mechanism having been disconnected. Continue the motion thus begun by an alternate pressure of heel and toe until a regular and easy movement is acquired and the balance wheel kept in continuous rotation by use of the feet alone. When you are thoroughly familiar with the treadle movement and can restart the machine without turning the balance wheel in the wrong direction, tighten the stop motion screw to connect the balance wheel with the stitching mechanism. Place a piece of cloth under the presser foot, let the foot down upon it and operate the machine in this way without being threaded until you have become accustomed to guiding the material. To operate the hand machine, after removing the wooden cover from the machine, turn the lever, H, back until it enters the socket, G, as shown. Then turn the hinged finger, F, back between the spokes of the balance wheel. Figure 3. End view of machine 1598, showing the hand driving attachment. Raise the presser foot, B, figure 2, by means of the presser bar lifter, C, figure 2 to prevent injury to the foot, B, figure 2, and feed, A, figure 2. It is necessary to understand the stop motion, E, figure 2, by which the balance wheel, D, figure 2, can be released when required, thus enabling the operator to become proficient in the use of the hand-driving attachment and permitting the winding of bobbins without running the stitching mechanism. It also allows the operator to wind bobbins without removing partially sewn work and without unthreading the machine. 
To release the balance wheel, D, figure 2, turn the stop motion screw, E, figure 2, over toward you. It will be necessary to hold the balance wheel while loosening the stop motion screw. After releasing the balance wheel, turn the lever, H, figure 3, of the hand driving attachment over from you, continuing the motion thus begun until a regular and easy movement is acquired. When you are thoroughly familiar with the movement of the hand driving attachment, tighten the stop motion screw to connect the balance wheel with the stitching mechanism. Place a piece of cloth under the presser foot, let the foot down upon it and operate the machine in this way without being threaded until you have become accustomed to guiding the material with the left hand. Note, to release the lever H from the socket G, it is necessary to first withdraw the plunger J. To ensure perfect action of the machine, the balance wheel must always turn over toward the operator. Do not run the machine with the presser foot, resting on the feed without cloth under the presser foot. Do not run the machine when both bobbin case and needle are threaded, unless there is material under the presser foot. Do not try to help the machine by pulling the fabric, lest you bend the needle. The machine feeds the work without assistance. The slide over the bobbin case should be kept closed when the machine is in operation. To remove the bobbin, turn the balance wheel over toward you until the thread take-up lever, 5, figure 12, is raised to its highest position. Draw to the left the slide in the bed of the machine. Reach down with the thumb and forefinger of the left hand, open the bobbin case latch, A, figure 4, and lift out the bobbin case. While the latch remains open, the bobbin is retained in the bobbin case. Release the latch, turn the open end of the bobbin case downward and the bobbin will drop out. Figure 4, removing the bobbin case. To wind the bobbin, release the balance wheel, D, figure 2, by turning the stop motion screw, E, figure 2, over toward you. It is necessary to hold the balance wheel, D, while loosening the stop motion screw. Place the bobbin on the bobbin winder spindle and push it up closely against the shoulder. Having the small pin in the shoulder enter the hole in the side of the bobbin. Put the spool of thread on the spool pin, 1, figure 5. Pass the thread into the thread guide, 2, figure 5, at the top of the face plate, then from left to right, under and between the tension discs, 3, on the bed of the machine. Then pass the thread up and through one of the holes, 4, in the left side of the bobbin, from the inside. Press down on the bobbin and the bobbin winder latch. B, figure 5. We'll drop down and hold the bobbin winder pulley against the hub of the balance wheel. Then operate the machine the same as for sewing. Figure 5. Winding the bobbin. The end of the thread must be held by hand until a few coils are wound and should then be broken off. When sufficient thread has been wound upon the bobbin, the bobbin winder is automatically released from the balance wheel. If the pressure of the bobbin winder pulley against the hub of the balance wheel is insufficient for winding the bobbin, press down the bobbin winder until the latch B, figure 6, drops down and holds it, then loosen the adjusting screw C, figure 6. With the forefinger, push back the upper end of the slotted plate E as far as it will go, as shown in figure 6, 
and at the same time, press the bobbin winder pulley against the hub of the balance wheel, then tighten the adjusting screw, C. Figure 6. Adjustment of bobbin winder. If the thread does not wind evenly on the bobbin, loosen the screw which holds the tension bracket, 3. Figure 5. In position on the bed of the machine, and move the tension bracket to the right or left, as may be required, then tighten the screw. To thread the bobbin case, hold the bobbin between the thumb and forefinger of the right hand with the thread on top, drawing from left to right, as shown in figure seven. With the left hand, hold the bobbin case as shown in figure seven, the slot in the edge being at the top and place the bobbin into the bobbin case. Then pull the thread into the slot as shown in figure eight and back under the tension spring into the slot at the end of the tension spring as shown in figure nine. To replace the bobbin case. After threading, take the bobbin case by the latch, holding it between the thumb and forefinger. Figure 10 bobbin case threaded and replaced. Place the bobbin case on the center stud B figure 10 of the shuttle body with the position finger A figure 10 opposite the notch at the top of the shuttle race. Release the latch and press the bobbin case back until the latch catches the groove near the end of the stud. Allow about three inches of thread to hang free from the bobbin case and close the slide in the bed of the machine. To set the needle, turn the balance wheel over toward you until the needle bar is at its highest position and loosen the thumb screw A, figure 11, in the needle clamp. Figure 11, positioning of needle in needle clamp. Have the flat side of the shank of the needle toward the right as shown above and put the needle up into the clamp as far as it will go. Then tighten the thumb screw. Upper threading. See figure 12. Turn the balance wheel over toward you until the thread take up lever, 5, is raised to its highest position. Place the spool of thread on the spool pin at the top of the machine and pass the thread to the left through the thread guide 1 at the rear of the face plate down under and from back to front between the tension discs 2 up back of the tension thread guard 3 down into the loop of the take up spring 4 up and from back to front through the hole in the end of the thread take up lever 5 down into the eyelet 6 on the face plate into the lower wire guide 7, then from left to right through the eye of the needle 8. Draw about 2 inches of thread through the eye of the needle with which to commence sewing. Figure 12, upper threading. To prepare for sewing, with the left hand hold the end of the thread, leaving it slack from the hand to the needle. Turn the balance wheel over toward you until the needle moves down and up again to its highest position, thus catching the bobbin thread. Draw up the needle thread and the bobbin thread will come up with it through the hole 
in the throat plate, as shown in figure 13. Lay both threads back under the presser foot. Figure 13, drawing up the bobbin thread. To commence sewing, place the material beneath the presser foot, lower the presser foot and commence to sew, turning the balance wheel over toward you. To remove the work, stop the machine with the thread take-up lever, 5, figure 12, at its highest position. Raise the presser foot and draw the fabric back and to the left. Pass the threads over the thread cutter, A, figure 13, and pull down lightly to sever them. Leave the ends of the threads under the presser foot. To turn a corner, stop the machine when the needle is commencing its upward stroke. Raise the presser foot and turn the work as desired, using the needle as a pivot. Then lower the presser foot. To regulate the pressure on the material. For ordinary family sewing, it is seldom necessary to change the pressure on the material. If sewing fine silk or flimsy material, lighten the pressure by turning the thumb screw, A, figure 5, on the top of the machine over to the left so that it screws up. To increase the pressure, turn this thumb screw over to the right so that it screws down. The pressure should only be heavy enough to prevent the material from rising with the needle and to enable the feed to move the work along evenly. The heavier the material, the heavier the pressure. The lighter the material, the lighter the pressure. To regulate the length of stitch, the machine can be adjusted to make from 6 to 30 stitches to the inch as indicated by the numerals on the stitch indicator plate. See figure 14. The number of stitches to the inch that the machine is set to make is indicated by the number which is in line with the upper edge of the stitch indicator, B, figure 14. To change the length of stitch, loosen the thumb screw, A, figure 14, and move it up or down until the upper edge of the stitch indicator, B, is in line with the bottom of the number of the desired length of stitch. Then tighten thumb screw, A. Basting. The longest stitch made by the machine, number 6, on the stitch indicator plate, is found satisfactory for basting, after loosening the tension on the needle thread so that the stitches may be easily pulled from the material. Machine basting is firmer and more even than that done by hand, in addition to being much quicker. To sew flannel or bias seams. Use a short stitch and as light a tension as possible on the needle thread so as to leave the thread loose enough in the seam to allow the goods to stretch if necessary. Tensions. For ordinary stitching, the needle and bobbin threads should be locked in the center of the thickness of the material. Thus, figure 15, perfect stitch. If the tension on the needle thread is too tight or if that on the bobbin thread is too loose, the needle thread will lie straight along the upper surface of the material, thus. Figure 16. Tight needle thread tension. If the tension on the bobbin is too tight, or if that on the needle thread is too loose, the bobbin thread will lie straight along the underside of the material, thus. Figure 17. Loose needle thread tension. To regulate the tensions, the tension on the needle thread 
should be regulated only when the presser foot is down. Having lowered the presser foot, turn the small thumb nut, F, figure 5, at the front of the tension discs over toward you to increase the tension. To decrease the tension, turn the thumb nut over from you. The tension on the bobbin thread is regulated by the screw, A, figure 8, in the bobbin case tension spring. To increase the tension, turn the screw over to the right. To decrease the tension, turn the screw over to the left. When the tension on the bobbin thread has been once properly adjusted, it is seldom necessary to change it, as a correct stitch can usually be obtained by varying the tension on the needle thread. To oil the machine. To ensure easy running, the machine requires oiling and if used continuously, it should be oiled each day. Figure 18. Oiling points at the front of the machine. With moderate use, an occasional oiling is sufficient. Oil should be applied at each of the places shown by unlettered arrows in figs 18, 19 and 20. One drop of oil at each point is sufficient. Oil holes are provided in the machine for bearings which cannot be directly reached. Draw to the left the slide in the bed of the machine and apply a few drops of oil to the shuttle race. See figure 10. The slide should then be closed. Loosen the screw A figure 18 near the upper end of the face plate. Raise the plate and slip it off over the head of the screw. Put one drop of oil into each of the oil holes and joints. On the back of the arm is a round plate or cover fastened by a thumb screw. Loosen the screw, turn the plate upward and fasten by tightening the screw. Turn the balance wheel slowly and oil the moving parts inside. Then turn the cover down and fasten it as before. Figure 19. Oiling points in hand driving attachments. Apply a drop of oil at each of the oil holes in the hand driving attachment as shown by arrows in figure 19. When the machine is used on a foot power stand, to reach the parts underneath the bed of the machine, press the belt shifter to the left and operate the treadle meanwhile until the belt is released. Then turn the machine back on its hinges. Apply one drop of oil at each of the places indicated by arrows in figure 20. Figure 20, oiling points in base of machine. Also lubricate each of the bearing points in the stand. Hints, belt of foot power stand. See that the belt is not too tight. It should always be tight enough not to slip. If too loose, remove the hook at one end, shorten the belt and rejoin. Machine working heavily. If the machine runs hard after standing idle for some time, use a little kerosene in the oiling places. Run the machine rapidly, then wipe clean and oil. To avoid breaking needles, see that the presser foot or attachments are securely fastened by the thumb screw. Do not sew heavy seams or very thick goods too fine in the needle. A large needle and thread to correspond should be used on heavy work. 
See inside cover page at back of book. See that the needle is not bent and avoid pulling the material when stitching. Breaking of needle thread. If the needle thread breaks, it may be caused by improper threading, tension being too tight, the thread being too coarse for size of needle, the needle being bent, having a blunt point, or being set incorrectly. Breaking of bobbin thread. If the bobbin thread breaks, it may be caused by improper threading of bobbin case, tension being too tight. Skipping of stitches. The needle may not be accurately set into the needle bar or the needle may be blunt or bent. The needle may be too small for the thread in use. Free instruction for using the machine is gladly given at any Singer shop. Genuine Singer needles should be used in Singer machines. These needles and their containers are marked with the company's trademark, S-I-M-A-N-C-O. Needles and containers marked for Singer machines are not Singer made needles. Instructions for using the attachments. The foot hammer. Figure 21, the foot hammer. The foot hammer, figure 21, is attached to the machine in place of the presser foot. Raise the needle to its highest point. Loosen the thumb screw, which clamps the presser foot to the presser bar, and remove the presser foot. Attach the foot hammer to the bar, taking care to tighten the screw firmly so that the hammer will not become loose when the machine is running. Turn the balance wheel slowly to make sure that the needle goes through the centre of the needle hole and that the lower thread is properly pulled up. How to start the hem at the very edge. How to start the hem at the very edge of the material is of utmost importance to learning to use the hammer. If the hem is not started at the edge, and the material is pulled, bias, a perfect hem cannot be made. There are several ways of starting the hem at the edge, but the most practical one is as follows. Figure 22, starting a hem at the edge. One, fold over about an eighth inch of the edge of the material at the starting point for a distance of about one inch. Place the material in the hammer at an angle leading to the right at a point just beyond the fold. 3. Draw the material toward you through the hammer as shown in figure 22 at the same time marking the second fold at the very edge. Continue to draw the material through the hammer until the edge is just under the needle. Place the upper and lower threads together under the hammer foot and assist in starting the hem by slightly pulling the threads from the back as the machine is run. Making a hem with the foot hammer. The same width of material must be kept in the hammer at all times. After placing the correct width of material in the hammer, hold it in a straight line and you will find it quite easy to make a perfect hem. See figure 22. Figure 22. Making a hem with the foot hammer. Making a hemmed seam with the foot hammer. 
The hemmed seam is very practical to use on underwear or in fact on any garment where a straight seam is used and where a small double seam would be suitable. Figure 24. Making a hemmed seam. When using this seam, the garment must first be fitted and the edge of the material trimmed, allowing for about 1 8 inch seam. The two edges are placed together and inserted in the hemmer in the same manner as a single hem. If the material is bulky, the edge of the upper piece of material may be placed about 1 8 inch in from the edge of the lower piece. See figure 24. The free edge of a hemmed seam may be stitched flat to the garment if desired. First, open the workout flat, then place the hem in the scroll of the hemmer, which acts as a guide, holding the edge of the hem in position while it is being stitched. If the seam is stitched flat to the garment, one row of stitching is visible on the right side. The hemmed seam may be used on muslin, lawn, percale, organdy, or any other fine materials where a narrow seam is desirable. Hemming and sewing on lace in one operation. Start the hem in the regular way, and with the needle holding the hem in position, raise the presser bar sufficiently to allow the edge of the lace to be slipped in under the foot hemmer, at the same time bringing it up and through the slot at the right of the hemmer. See figure 25. Figure 25, hemming and sewing on lace. Lower the bar, turn the balance wheel and catch the edge of the lace with the needle. Guide the hem with the right hand and the lace with the left. Care should be taken not to stretch the lace as it is being fed into the hemmer. It is not practical to sew gathered lace on with the foot hemmer as the fooled lace catches in the hemmer slot. A very attractive way of applying lace so that the stitching of the hem is not visible is to start the hem in the regular way, slipping the lace in from the left as you would the second piece of material when making a hemmed seam. Adjustable hemmer, hemming. Remove the presser foot and attach the adjustable hemmer in its place as shown in figure 26. This hemmer will turn hems from 3 16th inch to 15 16th inch wide. The adjustment is made by loosening the thumb screw on the hemmer and moving the scale to the right or left until the hem turned is of the desired width. Place the cloth under the hemmer and draw the edge toward the left under the scale as shown in figure 26. Draw the edge of the cloth back and forth until the hem is formed, stopping with the end under the needle. Lower the presser bar and commence to sew, being careful to do so, guiding the cloth as to keep the hemmer full. Adjustable hemmer, wide hemming. To make a hem more than 15 16 inch wide, loosen the thumb screw in the hemmer and move the scale to the right as far as it will go. Then swing it toward you as shown in figure 27 and tighten the thumb screw. Fold and crease down a hem of the desired width. 
past the fold under the extension at the right of the hemmer and the edge into the folder as shown in figure 27 and proceed to stitch the hem. Attaching the binder to the machine. Raise the needle to its highest point and remove the presser foot from the machine by loosening the thumb screw which holds it in place. Figure 28. Adjusting screw, outside slot of scroll, binder scroll, center slot, apron. Compare the foot of the binder and the presser foot and you will see that they are attached to the machine in the same manner. Attach the binder to the presser bar. Turn the balance wheel slowly toward you to make sure that the binder is properly attached to the bar and that the needle goes through the center of the needle hole. Inserting the binding in the binder. Figure, nine, figure 29, cutting point on binding. Cut the binding to a long point to left as shown. Insert the pointed end in the binder scroll, figure 30, until the pointed end comes through the lower end of the scroll. Pull the binding through under the presser foot before starting to sew. Note that as the binding passes through the scroll of the binder, the edges are turned in. Figure 30. Inserting binding in binder. Binding may be purchased cut and folded for use with the binder. Folded bias binding may be purchased for use with the binder. The binding comes in a variety of materials and colours. Folded bindings for use with the binder must measure a half inch in width. The number 5 width in standard brands usually measures a half inch, but it is always well to be sure of this before purchasing. Figure 31. Insert folded binding in outside slot. Folded binding is inserted in the outside slot of the binder, as shown in figure 31. The binder is adjusted and operated in the same manner as when using unfolded binding. One half inch braid or ribbon may be used in the same manner. A binding inserted in the outside slot of the binder will be returned only once. It is therefore necessary to have finished edges when using binding in this slot. The adjustment and operation of the binder. The edge to be bound should be held well within the center slot of the scroll, A, figure 32. If the material is allowed to slip away from the, from the scroll when near the needle, the edge will not be caught in the binding. With a little practice, it is quite easy to hold the edge in the scroll. Various materials and conditions require different adjustments of the binder to bring the stitching close to the edge. A wider adjustment of the binder is required when binding curves than is necessary when binding a straight edge. To adjust the binder for stitching, loosen screw B, figure 32, 
and move scroll to the right for a narrower adjustment and to the left for a wider adjustment. Care should be taken to see that the screw is well tightened after making an adjustment. To become perfectly familiar with the adjustment of the binder, practice is necessary. Binding outside curves. Practice is required to bind a curved edge properly. The edge to be bound must be allowed to pass freely through the scroll and should not be crowded against the wall of it. Guiding should be from the back of the binder and to the left, allowing unfinished edges to swing the scroll of the binder. Never pull the binding as it feeds through the binder as bias material is very easily stretched and will be too narrow when it reaches the needle. When this occurs, the edges will not be turned. When binding a curved edge, see figure 33, turn the material only as fast as the machine sews. It is not possible to hold the material in the entire length of the scroll when binding a small curve. Do not push the material in too fast as the edge will then become puckered and do not stretch the material or the curve will not be the proper shape when finished. If the stitching does not catch the edge of the binding, the scroll should be adjusted a trifle to the left. Binding inside curves. It will be necessary to practice binding an inside curve on various kinds of material as this curve is found on nearly all garments which may be finished with a bound edge. When binding an inside curve with the binder, straighten out the edge as it is being fed into the garment. When doing this, care should be taken not to stretch the edge of the material. If the material is soft, like batiste or crepe de chine, add a row of machine stitching close to the edge of the curve before binding. Applying a French fold to a curve. A French fold is applied by placing the material under the attachment and stitching the binding in position as shown in figure 36. Figure 36, applying French folds. A line made by basting or with chalk or pencil may be used as a guide in applying rows where wanted. Dainty ways to use the tucker. Tucking is the natural trimming for fine materials such as lawn, organdy, batiste, etc. and may be made without basting in any width from a fine pin tuck to one inch wide when using the singer tucker. The tucker gauges the width of the tuck and while one tuck is being stitched, the mark for the next tuck is being made. It is so simple to make tucks in this way that it is a joy to plan garments with this fascinating trimming. Then, too, such trimmings may be made without extra cost. The fashion magazines always give numerous suggestions for tucking various garments. The following pages will explain the adjusting and operating of this time-saving attachment. The parts of the tucker and their uses. Select the tucker from the box of attachments, compare it with figure 37 and note the names and uses of the various parts as follows. Figure 37, the tucker and its working parts. Tuck guide. 
tuck scale and smoother blades. Space scale. Grooved blade. Spur blade. Marking lever. Tuck guide adjusting screw. Space scale adjusting screw. The tuck guide, which is adjustable and may be set for any desired width of tuck. The tuck scale, containing figures which indicate different widths of tucks. The tuck scale also acts as a smoother blade, keeping the tucks of uniform width. The tuck guide adjusting screw, by means of which the tuck guide may be set at any point on the tuck scale. The space scale, containing figures on the upper blade which indicate the width of the space between tucks. The middle or grooved blade contains a groove into which the material is pressed by the spur at the end of the lower or spur blade, thus marking the goods for the folding of the next tuck. The space scale adjusting screw by means of which the space scale may be set at any desired point. The marking lever, which presses on the grooved blade, marking this material as it passes between the grooved and spur blades. Where to oil the tucker? The only place on the tucker that requires oiling is the stud on which the marking lever works. One drop of oil occasionally is sufficient at the point indicated by the arrow in figure 39. Careless oiling will result in oily blades and soiled material. When the marking lever does not move up and down freely, it requires oiling. If neglected, it may become so dry that it will stay down and cause a drag on the material instead of lifting freely as the mark is made. To attach the tucker to the machine, raise the needle bar to the highest point, remove the presser foot from the machine and attach the tucker in its place. Care should be taken to see that the tucker is securely fastened to the presser bar and that the needle goes through the centre of the needle hole. Note the position of the marking lever making sure that it is in the lower position and that the needle clamp works on it as the machine sews. How to adjust the scales on the tucker. The width of the tucks and the space between them is determined by the adjustment of the scales. Adjustment for the width of the tuck is made by loosening the tuck guide adjusting screw which allows you to move the tuck guide to the desired figure on the tuck scale. The tuck guide should be set just over the figure you wish to use. The adjusting screw should always be well tightened. Figure 38. Tucker set at pin tuck and two space. To adjust the width of space between the tucks, loosen the space scale adjusting screw and move the space scale until the desired figure is directly in a line with the centre of the needle hole. You will find a line in front and back of the needle hole to indicate the centre. Before starting to sew, tighten the screw firmly to prevent the scale shifting 
when the tucker is in operation. The figures on the tuck scale indicate the width of tuck in eighths of an inch. The marks between the figures are sixteenths. The marks on the space scale are double the width of those on the tuck scale, so that when both scales are set at the same figure, blind tucks without spaces between them are made. To make space between tucks, first set the tuck scale, then move the space scale to the same number and as much farther to the left as you wish to have space. Each number on the space scale represents one quarter of an inch and each mark between numbers one eighth of an inch. Use the table below to assist you in setting the tucker. Note, figure 38 showing tucker set at a pin tuck and two for space. Where to insert the material to be tucked. Fold and crease the first tuck for its entire length by hand. Insert it in the tucker from the left, placing it between the grooved blade and the spur blade of the space scale and between the two blades of the tuck scale. See figure 39. Figure 39, proper position of material in tucker. Care should be taken to see that the material is placed far enough in the tucker to feed against the tuck guide, drawing the material towards you until the edge is directly under the needle. Lower the presser bar and sew. You will note that the tucker is making a mark for the next tuck. When the first tuck is finished, fold the material on the mark made by the spur during the sewing of the first tuck and insert the folded edge in the tucker. It is most important to see that the first tuck is against the inside of the spur. After lowering the presser bar, raise the material slightly and adjust it until the folded edge is just touching the guide and the preceding tuck is against the spur. This ensures even tucks. Well, I do hope you are yourself all tuckered out and drifting off to a peaceful night's sleep. Thank you for listening to the Maker Community Inc. podcast on the instructions for Singer Sewing Machines. Tune in again when we will be reading Sleeping Instructions for another manual. Good night.